Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial are not affiliated. Welcome back to Making Money Fun. I'm Shanna Tingem, your host, and I am back for podcast number two with Aaron Blau from The Blau Company. Welcome back, Aaron. Good to be back. So we packed um, 10 pounds into a five-pound bag last time, but this time I want to talk a little bit more about what might be happening legislatively with taxes and all of that fun stuff this year and moving forward. There's so much noise out there in the world with respect to Secure Act 2.0 and how the new administration might view capital gains taxes. Where do you want to start today? Yeah, I think a great place to start is the SECURE Act. Okay. This really was one of the the largest changes to retirement planning in the past 20, maybe even 30 years. Yeah. This came down the pike in the very beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. and we were all set and all excited. We're like, okay, I can't wait to study this after tax season ends. <laughs> and of course, that tax season has lasted for about 16 months. Yes. So now is the time we can actually think about it and actually consider what the provisions of the SECURE Act actually are and how that they're going to affect our clients. Yeah, one of the biggest pieces that I was excited about, and I'm even more excited about what might happen in SECURE Act 2.0, is the change in the required minimum distribution age. Talk to me a little bit about that. Okay, so before 2020, retirement plan participants, IRA owners, 401k participants, etc., were generally required to begin taking RMDs, or required minimum distributions, following the year that they reached 70 and a half years old. Now, Shannon, what year do you turn 70 and a half years old? You don't have to tell me. No idea. I have no idea. Most of my clients don't either. (laughs) Exactly. This wacky like half year thing really confused a lot of people. It didn't make a lot of sense. Yes. Additionally, if they missed it, they would have to take a double distribution the following year. It was a mess of a, a mess of a thing. It was. So, Now, for any distributions that are required to be made after December 31st of 2019, the individuals must take distributions from their retirement plan or IRA in the year they turn 72. And most people can add 72 to their uh, their age. They know much more clear what year that they have to start taking these required minimum distributions. Yes. There is some chatter that Secure Act 2.0 might push that back to even 75. Um, How do you feel about that? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. First of all, most people are already taking some form of distribution out of their retirement accounts in one way or another. So these RMD rules are a little bit archaic. But ultimately, it's really important to remember that a ton of this money in these pre-tax accounts is money that nobody's ever paid tax on. Mm. And the one thing our government needs right now is actually revenue. Yep. So the fact that they would purposely push this back is a little bit surprising to me, given the fact that they really need this revenue to show up in earlier years, not later years. That's for sure. But that's a policy issue. You know, that's just a personal opinion. No, I I agree with you. I think it would be a little surprising, but not unheard of. Um, What really was surprising to some people is the 10-year rule change that came out of the SECURE Act. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So this is the elimination of what we used to call stretch IRAs. And what happened with stretch IRAs is that if you were to pass away and you're to leave your IRA to a beneficiary or even a group of beneficiaries, if it was within a trust or individual people 
they would be allowed to take required minimum distributions over their life. And that means that they could be substantially younger. So imagine, God forbid, something happens to your parent and they're 80 years old Mm -hmm. and you're 45 years old. Their RMD, their required minimum distribution is going to be much higher than yours would be. Yes. With a stretch IRA, that younger person was allowed to stretch that distribution over their life expectancy instead of the original beneficiary's life expectancy. That rule has now changed. Yes. Pretty big change. It's a very big change from tax planning standpoint. So if you are, especially like a child that's receiving, you now have to take a 100% distribution out of the IRA within 10 years. Now you can take zero in year one, zero, two, zero in year three, and take it all in year 10, but it has to be 100% distributed within 10 years of death. Wow. That's a pretty big deal because what that's going to do is catch a lot of people in their highest earning years having to take a a distribution that they didn't really want to take. So that can create a really big tax burden. Absolutely. And the tax planning on this is really important. So dividing that, that distribution up across those 10 years is much preferred than taking a lump sum distribution, depending on the dollar amount, of course. Yeah, exactly. Now, does this apply to spouses or only non-spouses? Yeah, so there are some exceptions to this 10-year rule. So the surviving spouse of the plan participant is allowed to use the old stretch rules. Great. A child of the plan participant who has not reached the age of majority is also not subject to the 10-year rule. A chronically ill individual also not subject, or if the beneficiary is an individual who is not more than 10 years younger than the plan participant, they can still use the old stretch rule. So if you think of it like this is a, a longtime couple that never got married mm. and the boyfriend leaves it to the longtime girlfriend and they're within 10 years of each other, she can continue to take it over the remainder of her lifetime. Wow. Those are really, really good points. Now, this all applies to traditional IRA and 401k money, not Roth IRA and 401k money, correct? That's correct. This is actually anything that's going to be pre-tax. Okay. So this actually could apply to potentially annuities as well. Oh. Well, an annuity that's held within one of these IRAs or a qualified annuity that was paid for using IRA or other pre-tax funds. Wow. Those are all really, really good points. What else came out of the SECURE Act and what might we see in the SECURE Act 2.0? Yeah, so there's also an expansion of Section 529 plans. We call them also QTPs, which are college savings plans that are allowed to grow Mm tax-free and the distributions are also tax-free. Okay. Now, QTP money can be distributed for uh, certain registered apprenticeships, mm. as well as tax-free distributions of up to $10,000 to pay the principal or interest on a qualified education loan of the beneficiary or even a sibling of the designated beneficiary. Wow, that's a huge change. Aaron, if you had a crystal ball, what would you like to see in the, in the next version of the SECURE Act? Any changes that would be important for you? Yeah, the biggest thing that's coming down the pike in a proposal form through the Biden administration is the elimination of what's called step up in basis. Mm. Now, I will tell you that I give this a minuscule chance. It, I give this as much chance of actually passing as me getting married to Gal Gadot. <laughs> okay. 
it's just not something that's popular. Yes. It's not something that looks good. It's a really good talking point that a lot of people and a lot of people in my industry, in the tax industry, are extremely concerned about. Right. I don't think it has any legs. And I'll give you the main reason why. Okay. It creates an incredible administrative burden on children, on families, on people who are suffering through the loss of a loved one. Yeah. To try to figure out what did grandma and grandpa buy their house for 60 years ago? Mm. And how much was that garage addition? Oh, yeah. And how much was that finished basement? They can't figure that out. Nobody's going to figure that out. No. So the idea that we're going to get rid of step up and basis maybe has this really outside chance of happening, but I just don't see it. Yeah. So please don't call your tax guy. Don't call your financial advisor freaking out. (laughs) We do track proposed legislation, but in my office, we don't look at things until it passes at least one chamber. Exactly. And the reason is, is because any Yahoo in Congress (laughs) can propose something. Right. It's got to get through a lot of votes and a lot of committee hearings for it to have any legs. And this one, I just don't see it. Yeah. And, you know, the other one that I think, in my opinion, I don't see passing either is the change to capital gains that right now is being proposed, at least in its current form. I can't imagine that having enough legs to pass. Can you talk a little bit about that for folks that are listening that might be uh, worried about it? So there is some discussion on making some changes to how capital gains get taxed. Now, if we think pre-2003, in order to qualify for special long-term capital gain treatment, a, a lower capital gain rate, you used to have to hold a security for five years. And in 2003, 2004, they changed that law to, that you could get special capital gains treatment if you held it for only one year. And this is very, very popular in order to try and get people to hold longer term. Mm. The rates additionally have seen some change over that period of time. Uh, it's possible that folks in very, very high brackets may see the elimination of preferred tax rates for some of their long-term capital gains. Mm. However, Again, the administration of this, the way that it would get calculated would be very difficult to administer. Yeah. And as popular as it is to want to shift the tax burden uh, to higher income individuals, uh, and we're not going to get into on this podcast of (laughs) whether this is considered to be paying a fair share or not, that's not the purpose. My comments are on the administration of policy only is that it would be very difficult to administer a change for only one subset of earners. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I just think that administratively, that would be a nightmare. They've also talked, speaking of nightmare, about making some big tax change this year retroactive to April 1st. And that caused a lot of fury and, and you know, questions. And I think the likelihood of them passing a retroactive tax law in the current year for those same reasons is very, very, very unlikely. Do you feel the same way, Aaron? It is such bad policy to make retroactive tax increases. We have seen retroactive tax decreases actually with the change in capital gains in 2003. Yep. We had pre and post, I think it was March 15th, capital gains that we had to try to track. And the reporting from the clearinghouses 
it's just can be an absolute mess and a disaster to try administer. Yes. Plus, it just looks bad. Yeah. And I'll tell you, we are about to head into yet another election cycle. Yep. And nobody likes to look bad in another election cycle, especially with the Senate held at such slim margins. Yeah, I agree. I just think there's too many hurdles to climb. Funny enough, we are already out of time for this podcast. We've covered so much ground. Aaron, it was wonderful to have you back. Tell us a little bit about how folks can find you if they'd like to talk to you more. Yeah, so the best way to find us is right on the web, www.blauco.com. That's spelled B-L-A-U-C-O.com. You can find a lot of information about our uh, accounting firm, about our staff, about our philosophies, and you can actually schedule an appointment right there on our website. Uh, You click on schedule an appointment, it'll give you a series of questions for what you might be looking for, whether it's a new client consultation, tax planning, you want to talk about accounting and QuickBooks Online, you can schedule an appointment with myself or a member of my staff any time of the day or night. Uh, If you're listening to this while jogging on the treadmill (laughs) at your fitness center, you can do it right on your phone there too. Wonderful. And speaking of scheduling an appointment, if anybody listening wants to schedule one with my team, you'll go to heritagefinancialaz.com and click schedule a consultation in the top right corner and we'd be happy to chat with you. Thanks again for joining us, Aaron. Thank you very much.